What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You podcast. I'm your host, Josh Canuti. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, write us a review. We'd love to hear your comments and feedback. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel Energy Drink. Rain Total Body Fuel is blended with BCAAs, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, electrolytes. Rain Total Body Fuel is designed for your active lifestyle, offering zero sugar, 10 calories, and zero artificial flavors and colors. Rain is the ultimate fitness-focused beverage to support your high-performance needs. And I can tell you, I just hiked Mount Baldy. It's not a, it is a super gnarly hike if, you, if you're not too into hiking, but it's a little over 10,000 feet of elevation. And I had a couple of these on the hike once on the way up and then had one right at the top of the mountain. And I got to be honest, it really did help me. It, uh, it really fueled me. It get, got me going to the next level and helped me get up and helped me get down. So rain. Total Body Fuel is your energy drink that you need to get, and I recommend the melon one. It is my favorite. It is delicious. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Goo Energy Gel. Goo Energy Gels are crafted to supply both energy and key nutrients like electrolytes, amino acids to keep you feeling strong and energized. The precise blend of complex and simple carbohydrates will fuel you up so you feel good longer. I can't speak highly enough about these. I use these during my marathon. I'm currently using them during these intense trainings, getting ready for the Tough Mudder. I use them on just hiking up Mount Baldy, which is a little over 10,000 feet of elevation, like I talked about with the energy drink. This is a great way to supplement your nutrition during long, intense activity, and I highly, highly recommend them. Go ahead, get them at REI, get them at your local GNC, go online, get them at Goo Energy Lab. You can find them anywhere. I highly recommend the chocolate and mint. It is my favorite, and it is so good. You will not be sorry. Go ahead and get them. It's Goo Gels. You won't be sorry. My guest today is Zachary Babcock. Zachary Babcock has a one of the leading podcasts in the industry right now titled Underdog Empowerment. This guy has a story for the ages. He got wrapped up in the wrong crowd, ended up serving, I think he was sentenced for seven years, but ended up serving four years in prison, came out, started going on the straight and narrow, and then just 20 days before his twin baby boys were born, went back to prison. And finally, he slowly and surely changed his mentality started to use his underdog mentality as an advantage, not a hindrance, and now got out of prison, is doing lectures and talks around the country. Like I said, he's one of the top podcasts in the world right now. Not only that, he's created a heavy six-figure business on his own, by his own, using his underdog mentality. And we talk about a lot of things. We talk about what that's like when that prison door closes and what's the mentality going through that. We talk about how when he's in a cell and he doesn't talk to anybody or doesn't see anybody, that he actually got a little freedom from discipline inside his like three foot by three foot cell or what, however big it is. And the dude was just a joy to talk to. I'm so stoked to talk to people like this time and time again that are just 100% authentic. He's not putting on airs. He's not 
trying to be anything more than he is. He's just playing himself open and telling everybody, this is what I did. This is how I overcame it. This is how I moved past it. And this is how I use my underdog mentality as fuel to succeed, not as a hindrance to fail. So please welcome an amazing, amazing human and my friend, Zachary Babcock. Being underprivileged is the fucking privilege because straight up, you put me up against anybody that's had it handed to them their entire life. I'm going to not just win. I'm going to fucking dominate them every single time. Maybe not right out the gate because they got all these resources, right? And I don't have it, but I'm going to be more resourceful and I'm going to want it more and I'm going to work harder and smarter and I'm going to figure out and I won't quit and I'm just going to keep going and going and going until I figure out a way to win. Zachary Babcock, thank you for coming on the Overcoming You podcast. How are you? I know you're a busy man. I appreciate you doing this. Hey, likewise. I know you know you got a lot going on too. Thanks for having me, man. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm super stoked to talk to you for a multitude of reasons, but also a fellow podcaster. And I love the podcast that you're putting out, the material and the underlining mission of it. I think it resonates and we're kind of cut from similar cloth. So I'm excited to talk to you and kind of get your thought process on a few things. So so before we get into it, you have quite the story of overcoming and being that underdog and having that underdog mentality. I know you told the story a bunch of times. I know you've, um, that's kind of how you start all of them, but a lot of the, my listeners don't know you. So can you give us a little insight into the highlights or the lowlights of what you kind of went through and kind of how you overcome and then I want to get to your men- mental side and kind of what some of the things you were thinking about through that. Yeah, man, for <clears throat> sure, dude. Uh, you're right too. Like, I tell people like, man, you don't know how 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 uh, how repetitive it is, you know, tell a story all the time. But p- people need to hear it, though. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And it's actually become one of the strongest uh, one of the strongest assets in my brand to be able to really break through and connect with people, and and and, and you know, because they're able to relate to a lot of, a lot of different types of people. But anyways, long story short. I'll keep the I'll give you the Cliff Notes version, and we can always dive into deeper uh, and unpack more. I I grew up in Ferguson, Missouri. Dad died when I was seven. Raised by a single mother, awesome mother. Didn't never have that male role model uh, or a good one look up to. I made a bunch of poor decisions. Uh, wanted to fit in with other people. Everybody does, but I did it like more than I guess you would say normal. If that if that's even a normal yeah. scene or whatnot. Um, got into drugs when I was nine, started smoking weed and drinking. By the time I was 17, caught some cases for being an idiot, thought my life was over, thought I was going to prison for the rest of my life, and I was just really only getting probation, but I didn't know any better. And so I started throwing my life away, went off the deep end on drugs, crackhead, heroin junkie, all that stuff. By 19, went away to prison by uh, for, for uh, a seven-year sentence, did four years flat, Got out for about two years. A lot of stuff, a lot of shit happened. Uh, can you cuss on your show? My bad. <laughs> Fuck shit, cock balls. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of shit happened during that four years. Uh, you know, a lot of transformational things or whatnot um, that we could always unpack more. But uh, got out though, and I was 23. Stayed out for about two years. Um, but I got fired from a job for getting a promotion because I was like their best on the sales team, and uh, I let that like break me instead of keeping my chin up. And I started throwing a pity party, uh, making poor decisions, uh, becoming an alcoholic. And I went back to prison just 20 days before my, for my sons were born. 
And, bro, that was it. That was the camel that broke the straw's back. I said, I'm fucking done. Um, and I, I got out eight months later, got into entrepreneurship, struggled for like four and a half years before I finally broke through. And then last year broke through, built a six-figure business in eight months. And uh, that's where we're at now. Yeah. So that's definitely the the cliff notes. And I employ everybody to go over to the Underdog Empowerment uh, podcast. And he dives deep into that. But so I appreciate you kind of going through some of those things. So you're in jail four years. You come out and you try to try to do better, but then you fall back again. Just twenty, go back to jail for a second time, just twenty days before your twin boys were born. But then overcame all of that, and now you have a very successful podcast. You have great content out there, and the coolest thing is, is that you have a heart and mission to help other people, which I just love. And that's where I think our claws are cut from similar paths or similar uh, corners, at least. I want to kind of go through the things that you thought of, because one of the things that's also maybe your dark times and my dark times may be similar in, in the depth is that, you know, I went through a very big, difficult time with some drugs as well, but sat there with a shotgun in my mouth in a flea bag motel and was ready to take take it all and end it all and I'm sure that the thoughts of me in that hotel may be similar to when that door closed that first night when you stepped foot in that that prison so can you go over what the first time when you did the four-year stint when that door closed for the first time what thoughts are going through your mind at that point yeah I'll tell you the exact thoughts man I was I was 19 years old dude and so I thought all I knew at the time was what you see on TV about prison, you know? So I was scared to death, bro. I was like, man, they rape people in there and yeah. stuff. And like, I mean, I could hold, I can hold my own, but dude, I'm not like a super tough guy. And like, I'm not the biggest guy on the block. And I'm like, damn dude. So I was scared to death of that. I was also like, didn't have any hope. I, I knew I had a seven year sentence. Didn't know when I was coming home. So at that time that felt like for eternity, um, was just in a, you know, really dark place, man. And so throughout those four years, is that kind of the common theme of your thoughts? Because you have a lot of time to yourself, you know, in the cell that I think you said, you know, you can walk three steps one way and three steps the other, and you may be embellishing it a little bit. So is that <laughs> for those four years, is that kind of the thought process that you have? Like, shit, kind of down on yourself or you're saying like, God, I'm a, I'm a fuck up. I'm a piece of shit. And I say that in kindness only because I said that to myself. I don't say that right. in um, literal terms, but is, are those the types of things that you're going through for those four years and, or did you slowly start to come over that or get over those or is it just the same throughout? Yeah, man. Um, no. And I, and I, I say the same things. Uh, that was funny, but, uh, yeah, dude, it, you brought up that point. I could tell you listen to, to that to that episode, man, where I was talking, uh, where my, when my, that moment right there and I'll kind of get into it. That was like yeah. the first like real, perception paradigm changing moment for me you know it's like i really felt like after that experience i became a man at that point i was like a boy that led all the way up to then that's what i feel like um but but yeah like in there like after after so long like you quit thinking about the outside and you get accustomed to where you're at and your mind's in there and you just get into the it's 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 hard to explain if you know if you, obviously if you've never been to prison but yeah. you just get you just get into the flow of things inside of there and you quit thinking about that outside so much after you do a certain amount of time and um well, anyways my whole thing was like i still wanted to fit in and be accepted by the the 
cool crowd, whatever you want to call it, but I the, the crowd that I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. And so I want to, you know, I'm I'm 19 and 21 years old. I'm trying to fit in with, you know, the guys that are on the yard that are that are running the show or whatnot. I'm hustling sports tickets to make my money. And then, uh, and then I'm blowing it all on the poker table, getting my head cracked, <laughs> yeah. and having nothing to show for it. Yeah. But uh, you know, I was just doing stuff to 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 try to try to be cool or whatever. But uh, anyways, long story short, because I'm starting to go rambling here, um, went down the hole for tattoo violations. Uh, the hole's the prison side of the prison. Like you said, you can walk three steps this way, three steps the next. That's it. You're in there jam packed with a bunk, toilet, sink. Uh, it's dark, dirty, lonely, depressing, hardly any human con- uh, interaction. Uh, just not a great place. And, um, and 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 so I get called back to the captain's office about two weeks in there, and I'm thinking that they're trying to get me to tell on something for on somebody else or try or somebody told on me for something that I hadn't gotten caught for. And so I'm like, man, fuck this or whatever. That was my whole mindset. I was in the rebel, the total rebel stage or whatnot. And I get back there, and uh, you know, he ha- had me sit down or whatnot. And I was like, dude, I, he's like, you know, when you come back here, it's not nothing good. I'm like, dude, I don't give a fuck, man. Put me back in my cell. You only got me here for two months. And he's like, dude, we got a call. Your mom told us that she broke into your bathroom with a screwdriver, found your sister dead on the floor with a needle in her arm, and uh, and that was it, dude. And I was like, last thing I was expecting, bro. And yeah, you know, I I, I broke down. Uh, but yeah, they gave me that phone call. We, we're literally crying our eyes out to each other. For 30 seconds, they gave me a 30-second phone call to the T, and then it, the phone hangs up, and they put me back in the cell by myself. And, dude, here's where I think it's powerful, the lesson that can be derived that might be able to be very helpful to your audience. Hopefully, I don't know. But I was in that cell for the next fucking three days, man, horrible, miserable. All I could think about was all the mean and hateful things that I ever said and did to my sister, the goodbye I never get to tell her, all that. And I'm in there by myself. And all this, I'm going crazy. Uh, I'm not, I don't have anybody to talk to, and I'm just like yeah. in a dark, dirty place. And um, on that third day, I woke up, man, and I was like, I don't know what, what reason, what's the reason why I'm still here for, but there's got to be a reason, or else I wouldn't still be breathing. What, what can I do right now to find happiness and peace? Mm. And I swear to fucking God, dude, that question is what led me to find and. I found the most – it's crazy because I was at more peace then than I've ever been in my life. Um, and mm. it, no bullshit, but yeah. that question led me to think of what I could do, what I had the power over. And I, I did developed – I'm not going to get into the details, but I developed this crazy routine. Like if you think OCD is crazy, it doesn't have shit on this. Uh-huh. Uh it literally was scrubbing the walls, the floors, the toilets, sinks, all that every single day, doing my push-ups at the same time every single day, toupees going the same place every single day, every single second doing the same thing every single day. Um, and what that did, though, man, is like I, I, I was doing all these things where I dominated my own space. I was taking care of my health and stuff, and uh, I just found a really uh, a, a peace of mind in a really, really dark time. And wh- what I found out later on, the reason why that worked, and and I'm I'm a shut up after this, but that was no. like a, a longer story of the other. Usually I'm pretty like you know just having a dialogue with somebody, but this yeah. this part of the story takes a little bit to explain. But um, the why that worked, why that was helpful, um, at that time this was 2010, and I was I was 20, 21 years old, two years into my prison stay. I didn't even know what self help books were at that time, and I wasn't an avid reader or nothing at that time. Fast forward seven years to 2017, I read a book called Awaken the Giant Within by uh, Tony Robbins. And in that book, 
a lot of people try to hate on that dude and says that he's just all uh, money hungry and this. And I was like, dude, yeah. let him make his let him make his fucking money for one. I, there's nothing wrong with making money if you're making an impact like he is. And for two, yeah. the amount of money he makes off of his self help bucket is a tiny little drop in the bucket compared to his real estate, all of his investment. Like the dude yep. doesn't need the money, dude. Right. Um, but anyways, I know he's a real deal because he says in that book, he said, uh, the types of questions that you ask yourself determine the quality of your life. Anytime you hear a question, your brain looks for the answer. If I'm like, dude, wh what's, uh, where was that picture taken in your backdrop? Literally everybody listening to this podcast, including you and me, are thinking about where that picture was taken at mm -hmm. on your on your backdrop. It's just how our brains work. And so a lot of times when we get in those really shitty situations where it feels like the world's crumbling around us where there's no light at the end of the tunnel, we'll ask that wrong question. Why does this always have to happen to me? Blah, blah, blah. And and that's getting your mind to search for the wrong answers instead of well, I, in that particular situation, I said what can I do right now to find happiness and peace? Yeah. And and that got me to look for what I could do in that moment to find happiness and peace. And as a result, I figured out what I could do while I was trapped in a fucking prison cell to find happiness and peace. That right there is exactly why I wanted to have you on. That little fraction of a second. And unfortunately, it had to come at a very somber time. But sometimes, you know, the depths of our valleys, that's where we really, um, when we breakdown is where we start to rebuild in the proper way and that right there is actually what i want to get get to and i think you said something so poetic or point there is that you started to ask yourself different questions you know when you started to talk about when you went into into jail you said who's who's the tough guy what's what's this going to be who do i have to get with you know i'm a i'm a badass so you had that kind of persona and then all of a sudden those questions switched and i think that's where so many of us get in the wrong frame of mind. And the only reason why I was, you were in the cell. And the only reason why I had a shotgun in my mouth is because of the way we thought. And because of the questions we said to ourselves, you said something similar. I'm sure I said something similar. Like, why is this fucking world messed up? Or why am I, why am I fucked up? Why am I stupid? Why am I not this? Why am I not that? And then he switched it and did those, those different questions. You also said something that, um, I'd like you to expand a little bit on because I think discipline equals freedom and it seems counterintuitive, but here you are, you have virtually no freedom, but because of these, the OCD steps that you did, I feel like it gave you a little sense of purpose or a little sense of freedom inside the confinement. So I know mm -hmm. you touched on it a little, would I be correct in saying that or assuming that? Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. And you know, what's so cool about this too. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on point with that. So I, and I, I, I ran through that part. Like literally, like I'm not even exaggerating. Like it was so OCD'd out, dude. Yeah, and break it, it was down. good though. But, but dude, what's crazy is so that, like you said, that gave me that power because I, I, I found what that taught me is that, you know, I could be stripped and, and, and this is another book I went and read and I was like, wow, you ever read uh, man's search for me meaning by Victor Frankl? So I want to stop because I put that down here because when I was listening to your story, I found extreme similarities between you and that book. So yeah, yeah. I, I I love it. Yeah. Bro, when I read that book, I was like, oh, as I read that uh, in the beginning of 2018 or end of 2017, but when I read it, I was like, oh my God, yeah. you know, but at the same time, his story makes my five years in prison look like a little daycare. Right. Real, like, you real, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Real quick, give a synopsis for the people that haven't read that in- 
I'm going to say it for you just so nobody else freaks out or anything. You're not comparing your trials and tribulations to um, Victor's, but tell everybody just a quick synopsis of what that man search for meaning is or what was it yeah. about? Yeah, dude. So the dude went through the Nazi death camps, brutally tortured his uh, uh, people are dying left and right around him. People that he went into prison with his family, all this stuff, like, like, the worst imaginable things that you can even it like, like literally hell come to life type. So it was, it was horrid. And it goes through that experience, his first part. And then in the second part, he ties the meaning to it all. He's a psychiatrist uh, in psychology and all that. And uh, he calls it Lego therapy. And, um, and he talks about, you know, finding the meaning and the suffering because the suffering is inevitable for every single human being. And then he talks about the main lesson that I took away from that is something that I had already experienced myself was that you can be stripped of all of your freedoms. So, uh, he calls it the last of the hu human freedom, though, is what nobody on the face of this earth can take away from you. And that is how he explains it is like you have this outside stimulus and then you have your response. But in between your response to whatever happens to you is your freedom to choose. So to break that down and make it a little bit more simplified until you can understand it is how I'd like to put it. A tornado could come through and 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 wreck your house and kill your family. God forbid that happens, but man, that shit could happen and you have no control over it. Mm -hmm. It's an act of God, an uh, act of nature, whatever you want to call it, 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 it happens, right? You can either choose to be bitter and kill yourself or go out and kill other people or just live the rest of your life in misery, or you can choose to take that pain and like you're talking about, rebuild yourself, eternalize it and turn that into something powerful that, that goes out and packs other people. Which, uh, uh, whichever you choose from that, it's still your decision on how yep. you respond to it. And that's that's the power that he talks about. And I was like, man, this is so on point. It's like one of the most transformational books you'll probably ever read. Yeah, it was so, so funny. I can't believe that you said that because I literally, when I was listening to your story and um, doing some research on you, that's the first book that came to mind. I was like, I wow. want to ask him if he ever said that because it's very, very parallel because you did the exact same thing. You were in this confined, one of the if we're just being honest, one of the worst places to be is in prison. And then you had a mentality, but then you went, okay, I got to find a different meeting. And then you started to choose differently. And you had, I wanted to circle back because I wanted to let everybody know, because I think it's really impressive. And I think it's a feather in your cap or arrow in your quiver. I wanted to have you kind of a little bit more in detail, go over those things that you started to do in your, in your cell to kind of, have discipline, but at the same time, give you freedom in this confined space and having that search for meaning. So what were some of those things that you did um, on a daily basis inside that cell? Yeah, dude. Um, and you know what's crazy now? Because I actually went back to that mode out here on the streets, right? It, it's crazy. I'll get to it. But um, so why was it? Like I mentioned, I just found out my sister died and whatnot and three days just crying my eyes out thinking about all this shit. And then I asked that question and I started to develop this routine and, and I would wake up at the same time every single morning. The nurse would come around for checkups every single time. So I knew when that come, mail call would come around every single time, brushing my teeth the same way, putting this, the toothbrush and the toothpaste back in the same spot. When I, when I, when I go to clean my cell after lunch would come around every single day, I would clean my cell. I, we had, we, we gotten three, three showers a week and that was it. And they gave us two bathing towels and we got to do laundry once a week. I took one of my bathing towels 
and I ripped it up into a bunch of mini rags. And then I took one rag and I get it nice and soapy and I scrub the wall. And I'd use another mini rag that I made and hit my sink with it. Then another one for the toilet. Then I get down on my knees and sweep the concrete floor with my bare hands gather up all the dust bunnies into a pile, then I'd wad up some toilet paper, get it damp, pick up the dust bunnies, flush it down the toilet, boom, then I'd take the final rag, get it nice and soapy, wring it out across the floor, and then I'd get down and scrub the floor. And afterwards, you could literally eat off my floor because it was that damn clean, and everything was put into an area. And what that did, man, it might not sound like a lot, but, dude, I felt good afterwards, I was just going to ask you that. Did that make you feel good? Did that give you a sense of pride? Yeah, dude, just like, yeah. dude, like, Jocko Willink talks about how they make their bed every morning. Like that, yeah. that, that act of, of taking care of your space and dominating it. Like, dude, you, you, you do little things like that. It feels damn good. You're in power and it feels really damn good. And it gives you a sense of power. And I was doing things like that. And then I'd work out right afterwards and release natural endorphins in my body and stay healthy. And then I'd eat afterwards and I'd write my letters at the same time every day, read books, at the same, like all this stuff. Right. And it was like this constantly doing it. Well, by the end of that two months that I was down there, you know, in in that in that in the hole in the prison inside of the prison, uh, I found a peace of mind in a really really dark time. Now, uh, real quickly though, right before I broke through, you ever read in uh, Think and Grow Rich? I used to be like, yeah, hey, okay, whatever, until I actually experienced. But you know how? Have you ever read Think and Grow Rich? Yep. Yeah. You know how he talks about in there in the chapter where he's like, uh, most people quit three feet from gold and like right before you break through, it's always the hardest or whatever. And yep. that has totally been a common theme in all, in all my life. But in the business world, when I got out, then I, it was four and a half years before I started making money. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I never doubted myself. I was like, man, I know who I am. I'm just going to either die trying kind of like 50 cent, get rich or die trying or whatever, yeah. even though it's like different motives or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> But I was like, but I started to, I was starting to say like, man, is this ever going to happen? Like I've been I'm trying everything, you know, and it's not yeah. happening. Well, dude, it got down to where we are backed up on our bills. Water was shut off. We got four kids to feed. Dude, it was, it was rough. Most rough, the roughest I ever been as far as financially goes. And, um, and I got a, a title loan on our Chrysler Aspen so that I could join a mastermind and learn how to craft offers online and make money. Uh -huh. People said, I, yeah, people said I was fucking crazy. <laughs> um, well, I did that and it didn't pan out right away. All right. And so yeah. it got so damn rough to where I stripped down back to the bare bones like I did in that prison cell. I was reading the book, The One Thing. I took all my social media off of my phone. I would post, I'd hop on my desktop to post once a day and check. I allowed myself 15 minutes to look through stuff and then that was it. No social media. Everything else was completely focused. I started cleaning my house like I cleaned that prison cell. Like I cleaned my house, but not like I cleaned, the, like, yeah, like scrubbing every single inch of the house type stuff. Right. And, and I got that power back again. It, it was like I got in that mode and I don't know. That, that alone didn't like get me to come up with the podcast offer that ended up breaking through, but it played a huge role in giving me that focus into finding it. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy, man. Does that ever trip you out that one of the best le lessons in your life came from one of the darkest times? Because it, from what I'm hearing, all those things that you just talked about, the soap in the right, right spot, tearing it up, the dust bunnies, put it in there, the pushups, the writing, the reading that started to condition your mind and condition your discipline and you carried it outside 
And now, flash forward X number of years later, it pushes you through those dark times because you started it when you were in a dark time. I just does that ever trip you out that like one of the best life lessons came from one of the worst situations? Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? But it's literally the truth. Like I, it, it, there's a saying that I always loved hearing is that the days that break you are the days that make you, man. And 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 dude, yeah, it's cool to for me to like kind of let well, here sit here and say that or whatever you might think. But like, dude, I still have those days, dude. Like, all right, so like right now, I got the, a lot of you can't hear because you listen just on the podcast. But if you're watching the video version, is I got a huge, humongous beard that's almost down to my nipples right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the story behind that is because when I got out, I, I, did, I got undisciplined. I used to be the most disciplined person in the world when I was talking about those things. But I got undisciplined because I started putting my business, I, pri- I started prioritizing that over my health and over my family. And I, I, had, I had a ranked ordered it business, family, health. And that's, that's upside down. It should always be health first and foremost family business and um you know because you could drop the ball in a bit like and they talk about the one thing about them juggling the balls one ball is your family one ball is your uh health one ball is your 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 business or whatever well imagine you know the business is like a rubber ball you drop that it can bounce back up and you can catch it you can pick up with it but your your health is like a glass ball you drop that and it shatters you're done yeah. you know what i mean yeah and it's like uh yeah man so Anyways, long I started going off on a tangent, but yeah, dude, I, I got out of shape. Um, wasn't like obese, but dude, I was like 40 pounds overweight. And that's yeah. like, for me, that's disgusting. And I never, you know, that's showing that I had clear, made clearly bad decisions regarding my discipline of my health and my habits. And so I got myself back into that and I've been losing consistently. And I'm like at the lowest I've been in some years now and I'm getting ready to have my six pack abs again. And when I have six pack abs again, I'll be able to shave this beard, but I don't think it's going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you know, one question I wanted to ask you when you were in the, <clears throat> in the hole and you know, you have no human interaction. Did that, do you have a new, new respect for human interaction or what did that what did that do to you this is just a personal question i know it's a little bit off off topic but um because i've always been somewhat of a somewhat i'm a very big people person but i love my space by myself and i noticed if i look back you know using steve jobs quote you can never connect the dots going forward you can always connect the dots going backwards well, the time leading up to my suicide attempt, I was totally withdrawn from everybody. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wouldn't answer the phone. Best friend, I wouldn't text message when I would know when my wife would come home and then I'd like leave and just go sit my car somewhere at a park, you know, just because I didn't want to be around. And that slowly really t- started to fuck with my psyche, understanding that looking backwards. Did you, do you understand that a little bit more deeper or did you, um, figure that out during that time or, or that human connection? What, uh, what learnings have you figured out from that? It's a good question, bro. Um, and I, like you said, man, there's so many like stuff that I resonate with you and so many similarities and stuff, dude, uh, with me, dude, I've all before I always was like the, and I still am like the people person. I enjoy, yeah. you know, being, being around people and stuff going through that. It did. It was twofold for me it gave me a new appreciation for my freedom. Like I appreciate the shit out of it. They always say you don't, you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. Yeah. 
it's true. I mean, you you still might appreciate something if you haven't lost it yet, but if you lose it, you're gonna appreciate it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I have that, that. It gives me a new a new sense of appreciation for the freedom, but also, I also enjoy my lone time now. Like, I I'm more. I used to not be that loner type, but I gotta have my alone time now because yeah. when you're when you're having those moments by yourself, you you gotta have those silent, quiet moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's just I, I think it's a good balance of both yeah you know what the thing that and this isn't to discredit and I could be way off base but this is just my assumption but I think individuals like yourself and like myself that have had um, had it almost taken away or at the brink of everything taken away there's times now since that time that I tried to commit suicide and maybe let me know if you feel the same way there's times now where like it just happened a couple months ago. I was sitting there and I was washing dishes and this sounds so, so dumb and so lame and sounds like I'm putting on airs, but I'm not. I was sitting there washing dishes and I was like genuinely, sincerely, profoundly grateful that I'm sitting here washing a dish and I have a dish to wash and that I have a house. <laughs> and trust me, nine, 90 days out of 100, I don't, 99 days out of 100, I don't I don't think that. It go, goes and comes. But there's just sometimes I think like, shit, there's... There, I could not. There's a very big possibility I could not have been here if that shotgun shell didn't swell up and would have went through the chamber. I would not be here washing this dish, and so I sometimes feel like I have a more at times have a more profound appreciation for life because I almost didn't have a life anymore. Do you ever bro, go through bouts of that? Yeah, and there, and dude, that's some real shit right there, bro. Like. So, so I need to get into that part. Like I, 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 as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, just immediately reminded myself, like when, when I was in that hole, I started was appreciative of the three meals that were coming in my chuckle every single day. Just so appreciative that I would see a bird flying out on the yard and stuff or whatever, yeah. little stuff like that. But like, you know, since then I used to, before that, I used to only pray when things were going bad and pray for help. Now I don't ever pray. I'm not saying I don't ever pray for help, but that it's different now. If I'm in like a situation, I'm like, just give me the strength to figure this out and make it through it, you know, yeah. or whatnot. It's not like, oh, please fix this for me anymore. But now, like over 90% of my praying is, man, I'm so grateful for this. This thank you for for this habit. It's, it's a it's a it's gratitude. Pre- I, I know that's such a a buzzword, whatever the yeah. fuck you know. So many people say it shit and don't mean it, but right. no, I literally like when things go good, I'm praying the most. I'm like, thank you, thank you for this, for this blessing to come through. Thank you that I that I was able to get here and stuff or whatnot. Um, yeah, I totally resonate with that, man. Yeah. Do you think? Once again, it sounds so cliche to fucking ask this question, just like you said, because it's a buzzword. But do you think because one of the reasons for your success now, um, you know, having a, a top-rated podcast, having a six-figure business, you know, killing it at life, doing speeches, doing lectures. Do you think one of the reasons why you're successful is because you are grateful more often than you are woe is me? It's a good question, man. Um, I think it's a lot of things too, man. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. And dude, one thing I want to say too is like I am not that person that that thinks they're the shit. Like, don't get me wrong. Actually, I do think I'm the shit. I know <laughs> I'm the shit. I'm, I'm very confident. But I'm I'm at the same time. Dude, I have so many fucking flaws and I call them out all the time and I have dark thoughts 
emotions and desires. We all do. Mm-hmm. It's the people that act like they don't are the ones you can't trust and got to watch out for. But like, dude, I'm a fucking human being. There's days where I wake up and I'm like, fuck this shit. I don't feel like doing it. Or I'm having a bad day. Dude, I just had it the other day. Last week, everything in my business seemed to be falling apart that day. It was just one of those shit days where everybody was hitting me up with the problems. And as like, and it was like, they're leaving all the monkeys in my office to dance around. And I had to fix all the shit. I'm like, mother fuck. And it was just like, I wanted to fucking say, fuck it. And just quit for the day. Yeah. And I start, and I started, I was going back into that old habit routine and I literally had caught in myself and was like, okay, this shit's fucked up. I can't really control this shit, but what can I do right now? What's the next best thing that I can bring myself closer to the goal? What's the best way to move forward from this? And that, and that, it didn't magically wave a wand and fix everything, but it got me in the right state, and I started and started doing the next thing that I had control of in the situation. But um, what was the original question there? Because I started um, going. Shit! Now I fucking forgot my stupid ass brain. Um, <laughs> I started going down a rabbit hole. What were we talking bad. about? No worries, no worries. What were we fucking talking about? You're talking about like uh, first we were talking about gratitude, and then oh it was something yeah, to do you think off of that um. Do you think one of the reasons why you're so successful now is because of the change in your thought process to more often times than not, you are grateful than that you are woe is me? That's a big part of it, and that, that plays a part into it. I think the main reason why where I'm at, how I got to where I'm at right now after where I was is these key things. Number one is when I was in the bad situation – I visualize what my life would be like if I continued to do the same thing. I visualize all the horrible shit being in and out of prison and not in and not in my kid's life, yeah. and um and that pain was too painful for me, and so it got me to start running in the opposite direction. That was the first step. The second one was I got really crystal clear on exactly what it is that I wanted in life because if you ask. A lot of people, if you just went up to some random person at the park, a lot of times you're going to, you ask, hey, what, what, what exactly do you want in life? They'll start naming off things that they don't want, but they can't really clearly tell you what exactly it is that they do want. And so I got crystal fucking clear on it. I literally, as we're recording this, I could look to the side and I got a vision board with a visual representation of everything I want, not just in business, but like how my body looks health wise. Um, I got a picture with me with my Photoshop. Uh, my head photoshopped on this coach's head and then two kids with my son's name on the back of their jerseys of the dude coaching their football team. We're going to do that this year. They're getting in football. Like every single thing, dude, is like it's it, it, I know exactly where it is and I'm going in life. So that was the second step. And then probably the most important piece of it, uh, they all tie in together, but I made strong enough reasons why I had to get there of what, of what, what I wanted out of my life because – Let's face it, man. Like we were just talking about, there's going to be days where you wake up, you don't fucking feel like going to the gym, you don't feel like writing that email, you don't feel like going to work, or you don't feel like whatever the hell it is that you got to do, but you fucking do it anyways because you have strong enough reasons that are going to push you through those shitty times when you just don't feel like doing it. Yeah. And uh, that was like, that's what's really been a key. And then the fourth one, I always like to put the little gasoline on the fire is everybody says that I'm not going to do it. I like to prove the motherfuckers wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the other things that I thought about when I was listening to your podcast and watching some of your YouTubes is that one of my favorite stories about um, the legend Kobe Bryant is, do you know who Chris Saka is? Not off the top of my head. Chris Saka is arguably one of the best or most 
prolific venture capitalist in the in the entire world, or at least in Silicon Valley. I mean, he's like eight owns eighteen percent of Twitter. He's like eighth money in an Uber, Instagram. You know, he's he owns and started um, Lowercase Capital, a multi multi billionaire like number tw- employee number twenty at Google or whatever it is. So super super big um, venture capitalist and. When Kobe Bryant hurt his Achilles, he went, oh, shit, this could be the end of my career. I got to figure out the next stage of life. And so he and he'll, he'll be the first person to to say it. He went, OK, I'm just going to go after the money. Venture capitalist, huge, massive growth potential. Let's go there. Let's talk to the best person. Calls up Chris Saka and goes, hey, I want to do all these things. I want to start a venture capitalist. And Chris Saka, you know, isn't impressed by name. You know, he's uh, prolific in his own right. And he goes, yeah, 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 Kobe Bryant, go ahead and um, read these books and everything. Well, the very next day, he had read, like, all the books and, like, outlined it and, and emailed it to Chris Saka. And then Chris Saka, okay, you're you're legit. You're legit. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, all right, well, let's do this. What are you, you going to name your venture capitalist? And he goes, 13. And he goes, why? And he goes, because 13 other motherfuckers were drafted before me in the league, and I want to prove them wrong. And it made <laughs> me – that story made me think of you in this podcast. You know, I – there's so much value in in purpose in having a chip on the shoulder. As long as the chip doesn't control you and you're not a not a dickhead or an asshole. But I'm I'm with you. You know, my whole entire life. You know, my dad told me I was stupid. My mom left me at a liquor store when I was eight years old. I've never had anybody pat me on the back, and I've always been like, "Fuck you!" I guarantee you, if you and I go face to face, you are going to lose. Come hell or high water, you will have to kill me in order to get to win. Period. It doesn't make a difference. And that's one of the things that I also resonate with you. And that's why I love your content and love your podcast and love everything that you're doing out because you're letting people know that it's okay to be the underdog. Use it for fuel. Don't use it for a reason not to succeed. Use it for a reason to succeed and to show everybody because I got to be honest, and you could probably attest to this, um, it feels good when you get to show people, hey, look what I did, motherfucker. Like what yeah. I did, I did what you couldn't do, or I did what you don't think is possible. It feels good, and not in a narcissistic way. It just feels good, and that's a real big driving factor, driving force for people that have a chip on the shoulder or have underdog um, kind of mentality. So I, I love the fact that you're out there letting everybody know that it's that being an underdog is sometimes a good thing. So it's really man, really cool. I love that we're bringing this up, dude, and I love that. <laughs> See, you get it too, man. You you said the key thing. You said you you got the the strong enough reasons why you're doing it in the first place. You got it. That's the the engine. All right. Without that, you don't go anywhere. The uh, the uh, underdog mentality. That's the gasoline. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you could probably you know get a Tesla and don't need the gasoline and still go with the engine. But you you, you need the reasons why. But dude, the gasoline is just gonna. So the underdog mentality, dude, and here's my also a strongly held belief of mine. Uh, so I got to – this is a funny story. Dean Graziosi, I got to interview him the day his uh, new book came out, The Underdog Advantage. I was literally going to name my podcast The Underdog Advantage or uh. Underdog Empowerment. <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> the funny part about this is he taught me a very valuable lesson, bro, because I put out in my Facebook group, which is now underdog empowerment movement, but at the time it was goal getter movement because I didn't have the brain or whatever. I put a poll in there and said, Hey, which one? And everybody decided on underdog empowerment. So that's the reason why I rolled with it. But, um, then I was going to write the book too called underdog advantage. Uh, 
but he came out with first. So it taught me, hey, if you have an idea for something that matches with your brand, just go buy all the domains up first before somebody asks yeah. you do. But uh, <laughs> anyways, long story short. Anyway, so we're jamming on the on the interview. The day his book comes out. And and I, I ran this by him, and he was kind of on point for two, and I want to run it by you. This is a very strong belief I have. Be, and I, I say it this way just because this is like a trendy thing in, in our society right now where uh, people are saying, oh, that person's only winning because they're privileged or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a, the weakest shit you could ever say, and it makes you uh, weak and a loser to say that because you're just trying to place blame for the reason why you're not making it. And here's what I say in counter to that. Being underprivileged is the fucking privilege because straight up, you put me up against anybody that's had it handed to them their entire life. I'm going to not just win. I'm going to fucking dominate them every single time. Maybe not right out the gate because they got all these resources, right? And I don't have it, but I'm going to be more resourceful and I'm going to want it more and I'm going to work harder and smarter and I'm going to figure out and I won't quit and I'm just going to keep going and going and going until I figure out a way to win and I'm going to dominate every single fucking time because I'm more hungry. Yep. And so being underprivileged or being the underdog, dude, that is – you should be grateful for that because you actually have the underdog advantage. You have the advantage over everybody. You actually are the one that's privileged. Yeah. That's just my thoughts on that. No, 100%. I love the quote in the – I think it's a sports person. I think it's Babe Ruth, but I love the quote. It is impossible to beat somebody that will not quit. Yeah. It is impossible <laughs> And that's one thing that I've the mentality that I have with this podcast is as long as I'm getting a DM or an email every so often having somebody say, hey, that was that really helped me or I can't believe believe somebody else thinks like me or I thought I was alone. As long as somebody is responding to the podcast, whether it's one. Hey, I hope don't get me wrong. I hope I get 80 million downloads an episode. Is that is that likely? Hey, who knows? I'm going to strive for it, but who knows? But as long as I get one person and I'm helping one person, that's all I want to do the rest of my life because I don't want anybody to go through the that darkness of that mentality that I had during my issue or my time because it is the most heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, mental demolishing time that anybody can ever go through. And I don't want anybody, even my worst enemy, I don't want them to go through a nanosecond of that. So if I can have people like yourself on that have gone through these things and, and discuss how they've overcome and the, the OCD things and, and being in the present and all the, these tips and tricks, if that helps one person, that's all I care about the rest of my life. And I will never, ever quit. And I do not care if I'm ever Joe Rogan. I do not care if I'm ever Dak Shepard. I do not care if I'm ever Zach Babcock and underpower, um, underdog empowerment as long as i'm helping one person i'm never going to quit and that's all that i think about with this po- podcast so i 100 percent agree and um i think that's another thing that we kind of share another cloths that are cut from similar similar uh, stencils at least so it's really, really oh cool. yeah man yeah so i wanted to go go back to nowadays and i know you just talked about it before so we kind of talked about in your really dark times, you know, inside the prison, how you kind of got, got over that, which I think are very, very valuable. But here you are now, quote unquote, successful, whatever you want to want to call it, six figure business. Like I said, you have a top rated podcast, you're doing speeches, you're, you're helping people, you have a coaching business. But just the other day, you went through and you had a, had a bad day. And I want to kind of expand a little bit on that. I know you just went through it, but I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into 
how did you get over those that negative day? Because from what I'm hearing is that you went very methodical and just went went back to the present moment and didn't think about yesterday, didn't think about tomorrow, or did I did I gather that correctly, or did I hear that hear that correctly, or how do you get over your bad days now versus you know then? Yeah, man. Like I'll like I was saying, like when I was just having that bad day when everything was going to shit in my business, I was quickly falling back into those old patterns of, fuck, what, what, why the fuck is all this happening? Whatever, this and that. But then, caught myself and asked that empowering question, and it literally helped me focus and dial back in. But dude, so real quick, sorry, keep your train of thought, but I want to ask you. So that's really big. That's something that I've had to learn. So, you had those negative thoughts and you caught your thoughts. Do you? How do you catch your thoughts? Like, because for me, once again, connecting the dots going backwards, I never had a hold of my thoughts. I just, they just went. And it would be days and weeks of me telling me, telling myself I'm ugly, I'm a piece of shit, my, everybody would be better off without me. And I just would never catch the thoughts. But for me, I used meditation and now I'm able to catch the thoughts quicker. How do you, how did you recognize that thought? Or there's something that you do to, to catch them? Or how do you do that? I'm always asking ever I guess it's just because it's ingrained in my brain, but I'm always asking myself, I'm questioning everything. I'm like, hey, is this the right way to do this? Okay. Should I be doing it this way? What's the best thing that I can do? I'm always constantly I, I look at things like I'm looking at like how can I improve on this process? What's a better way of doing it? How can we optimize this? What like literally I'm always in search of everything. I'm always like I and I tell people, like, for an example, our top 200 script that that's gotten my podcast ranked and all 57 of our clients ranked with 100% success rate. I literally found out the way to get uh, people to leave written reviews on your podcast, which if you get people to leave reviews on your podcast, you can get your podcast ranked. And I literally figured that out. And then I, when I found that out, when I first launched my podcast, I literally for two weeks, this was that time before I broke through was making any money. I was just like, okay, I, I found something that could kind of get me on the map here. Boom. I took that and no exaggeration, delivered this pitch over 4,000 times. No exaggeration. Everybody on my Facebook friends list and, and, and everywhere, everybody I could talk to. And, and I had this script and it evolved into what it is now. And the reason why I'm telling that story is because I will never say, even though I did this over 4,000 times and it evolved to what it is now and then our clients use or whatnot, I, I will never say, though, that I perfected it. Or anything, because if I say I perfected it, that means it can't get any better. But if I say okay. I optimized it, it's well optimized, and I know it's 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 good, but it could still always work for improvement. So I'm always questioning things: How can I get better? Is this the right way to do it? Blah blah blah. And I feel like that gives the sense of power, because then, because dude, for for like a good 10, 15 minutes, I don't know exactly how long, I wasn't asking that. I was like, man, fuck this shit. You know, I was ready to quit and stuff. You know, yeah. for the day and and whatnot. But then I was started like, okay, is this is this what I should be doing? Is this the best way to go about this? All right, what's the next best step and stuff? And then that got me flown into the right better direction yeah i think there's so from what i hear and i think that's a great kind of aha or we call it ocy moment um is you are constantly asking yourself questions so that's kind of a way that you center yourself or kind of get back to the present because something that i always say is that it is virtually impossible to be depressed have anxiety be upset if you're focused 100 percent on the present because if you have anxiety if you have depression 
you know, clinical terms, psychology terms, depression is ruminating about the past. Anxiety is, you know, thinking about the future. But if you do exactly what you did and use your kind of tips or tricks, I hate those two words, but tips or tricks and ask yourself questions. Okay, here's the issue. What can I do right now to get, get forward? You're in the present. You're not thinking outside. And then, hey, doesn't mean you feel good and you're ready to do jumping jacks and go eat ice cream, but you're in it. And you're asking yourself those questions in the present and moving forward. So I think it's a real, real for all the listeners, the real point to jot down or memorize or click the uh, screenshot of whenever this minute is in the podcast, because that's a real big um, beneficial way to kind of get through a bad day is asking those questions and get into the into the present. So I think it's really, really cool. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, man. Right on, bro. So before I know it, we're coming up on time. So before we close out, I just got one more question for you. Where can everybody find you and what do you got going on? What's your social media email? Any uh, upcoming projects? What do you got uh, in the works? Dude, I appreciate that. Definitely. It's the podcast underdog empowerment. Super passionate about that. Obviously, Um, you guys could check that out literally on any pretty much any podcast platform that you listen to podcasts on. But to make it super simple for everybody, um, you can go to underdogempowerment.com right there on the front page. Scroll down. There's a subscribe button. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, whichever one you prefer. Uh, hope to see you guys over there. Uh, and, dude, I mean, yeah, appreciate you asking stuff. That that would be at the podcast. Nice. Yeah, I employ everybody to cruise over there. I'll put um, a link in the show notes and everything for so to make every uh, much easier for all the listeners to do so. So last question before I let you go, and thank you again for taking the time. I sincerely appreciate it. I love uh, chatting with you. How do you personally build your self-worth? Really good question, man. Man, that's a damn good question, bro. And and I'm glad you asked it because now it's getting me to search for that answer and thinking about, well, how do I actually go about doing that? And that's that's important. Um, Man, I don't... I used to get my self-worth in all the wrong places, man. I used to always try to fit in with the wrong crowd and be accepted and all that stuff. And and we all do to a degree. Anybody says that they don't, dude, we're wired that way as humans. We're social animals. We literally had to, to, to survive on our empathy skills. And and the tribe back in before we could even speak a language, uh, back in the saber-toothed tiger days, we had to rely on the empathy of other people uh, being able to see if somebody was in danger, like freaking out over a saber-toothed tiger attacking them or whatnot. So, I mean, like, and our, one of our biggest fears is our, next to dying, our biggest fear is being outcasted by the tribe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we all have that to an extent. I used to have that really, really bad, and that's where I used to get all my self-worth from. Now, I guess I would say I get my self-worth, man, from – like I look at even if I don't achieve my goals, as long as I know that I did everything that I could in my power to make it happen, I'll be cool and I'll have self-worth in that. If I like I'm not afraid to fail and I'm not afraid to roll the dice and bet on myself and I will do any, everything in my power to set out to do what I'm what I'm setting out to do. Um, and I'm OK if I don't win, even though I want to win really fucking bad. Um, but um that's where I get it from. As long as I know that I'm doing everything in my power to make it happen, I gain power from that. And I guess that's, I guess that's where I get it from, man. Yeah. That's something else. I love that. That's something else, a similar thought process that we share because one of my definitions of hell is being on my deathbed 
And you'll <laughs> know it being on my deathbed and going, I wish I would have, I wish I could have. And you're going to know whether you really gave it your all. You're going to know whether you really tried. But if I'm sitting there and I'm on my deathbed and I didn't give it my all or I didn't try, just like you said, that's that's going to be my definition of hell. So, like I said, brother, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the Overcoming You podcast. You are definitely an underdog, but empowering uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people in your life. And you are a true overcomer. And I really, really appreciate uh, the time. And I really enjoyed talking with you. I really do appreciate it. Likewise, my man. I really appreciate you having me on the show, man. I had a blast today, dude. All right. Thanks, everybody. Remember, be kind to yourself.